to the KSR Football Podcast. Hello and happy day. It's the KSR Football Podcast. We're back. Back like we never even left. Drew, how, how are you recording for the first time in a brand spanking new home? Uh, well, I hope you can hear me because I don't have my mic or my headphones or anything I need. Uh, oh. But I'm in what will eventually be an office. I try to decorate for you a little bit. It's all I can oh. find. Thanks. Yes, good to good to be somewhere new. I'm excited and excited to see you guys. You aren't completely unpacked, though, right? Like, no, not at all. Boxes <laughs> everywhere. I would just imagine, like, see Chuck right now. He's in that stage of like you can move easily because it's basically just like clothes and maybe like a bed and like a dresser. Where you know it's it's maybe like one truckload, but Drew is in the like. Oh God! Like where did, where was this been for the last five years? Kind of stage. Yeah, I also threw out my back too. So any chance of a mm. KSR football podcast combine? I'm I'm all out on all of that. Uh, so done. My athletic day is completely over. Oh, that's rough. Hey, Charles, do you have like nagging old football injuries yet? Have you gotten to the point where you're like, oh, it's cold outside, my knees hurt? I'm definitely starting to get there. This shoulder is, I don't know if you can see it on there. Oh. It is like forever out of my what? body. It's, yeah. He's that got was the bump. In, not normal. That was an <laughs> AC joint that happened a week before junior year. I remember it was a scrimmage and I had two catches. And on one of them, I sprained my left AC joint. Only like a grade one. So it hurt, but it wasn't bad. On my second catch, I sprained my right AC joint, which was a grade three, which oh. hurt like a like a BR. So that was fun right before season. I actually never went a full year without some sort of injury. But I only that, missed one game. But that, that no. scrimmage before the season, it just always like somebody's getting hurt. I was there when poor Dorian had his injury, and I remember it was on a screen. And I was, you know, I had to go up three steps to make the nickel come with me and then go out and block the corner. And I went out, blocked the corner. He went down, and I saw it all happen, and I immediately just got down on a knee, took my helmet off, because I was like, yep, this is, this is it. one of those where you just know right away. You know, that, there you go. All right, well, he's done. Hell, the, and the, the day you're talking about, that was – when Drew was slinging around a lot, right? Like, that would have been 2015. Yeah. So, like, you were like, two catches in a scrimmage. It's about to be eight on Saturday. No, this – yeah, this was 20 
It had to be 2017, right? If I graduated in 18, well, football-wise, 17. 17. Okay, it was no, my 16. senior year. Oh, okay, 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 okay. It was my senior year. So my it was 17, man. Football, I don't know. I always get the years mixed up. Yeah, it might have been 16. I graduated 18, uh, but I played in 17. Hey, you know what? Just good for you for graduating in four years. Uh, not all of us can yeah. do that. That's an accomplishment in and of itself. Um, and, you know, what? speaking of accomplishments, we got two, uh, five new Wildcats that are in the NFL. How awesome is that? Yeah, we do. I was I was really disappointed in a couple picks, though. One of them was I really wanted that last pick in the third round to be Logan Stenberg to the Baltimore Ravens. Mm-hmm. Really want because like I can just see him just with a head full of steam mowing dudes down while they have their like seven running backs. They drafted another running back too. Um, and I remember being like, oh, that's a good pick. I can't think of who it is off the top of my head now. But he's – no, J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State. So, they oh, got that. that's right, yeah. Yeah, he only ran for 2,000 yards last year. Like, Yeah, he's decent. Yeah, <laughs> just a little bit. But Stenberg ends up with the Lions. And my question for you, Chuck, is, is Logan Stenberg really Mr. Nasty? Sorry, I'm getting a call. Uh, can you see my face? No, I don't – but – who needs to see your face on a podcast? Okay. To answer the question, yes, Logan Stenberg is Mr. Nasty. Um, I, I think we've talked about him before on the show, but he's one of those players where, you know, off the field, nicest dude in the world. Um, you know, obviously great with the fans, great with kids, wonderful. Uh, takes a step onto the on the white paint and is in the field, and he's just Mr. Did you, did you, I love did, it. Did you ever address him as Mr. Nasty? Like, hey, Mr. Nasty. No, hey, I did Charles, buy, the fair catcher. I bought a sweatshirt. I bought a Mr. Nasty sweatshirt, and it was oh. shipped about three days ago. So oh, I should be getting yeah. that soon. That I'll, I'll wear that next podcast. Nice. Um, never called him Mr. Nasty. You know, he has one of those <laughs> last names where it's just Stenberg. You know, yeah, sometimes yeah. I forget his first name's Logan. It's just like, you're Stenberg. See, and he's – Chuck makes a good point, Drew. He does not look like a Logan. Like No. <laughs> you can't be a Logan when you're 6'6", 320 pounds, and long, yeah. long luscious Alabama hair. You just can't be a Logan. You know, no. you're Mr. Nasty. Like you're a, Mr. Nasty Stenberg. He'd be more like a diesel, I would say. Um, I like him in Detroit, though. I think that's a good spot for him. That's kind of a mean town. I think they'll embrace Mr. Nasty. He might sell a few more sweatshirts there. Oh, yeah, and the Absolutely. blue already fits. I was just jamming to welcome to Detroit City for days, days on end. And, by the way, that intro is, like, one of the best intros ever, but we can't play it because it's just, you know, you just can't play it, but it's awesome. Like, I can just imagine Stenberg, welcome to, you know, like, oh, gets me fired up. Gets me absolutely fired up. Uh, but Lynn Bowden, Lynn Bowden, He's going to be a Las Vegas Raider. That's another. Like these, these were the most perfect. Uh, throw all the X's and O's aside. Very on brand selections for those Wildcats. It's very on brand for uh, Lynn Bowden, but I don't know if I know that young Lynn Bowden needs to be in Las Vegas right now. Uh, might have picked another town for him first. Luckily, Las Vegas isn't Vegas yet, so I'm sure he'll stick to football there for a while. But I'm interested to see how they use him. I don't love them saying he's going to be just a running back. They have him listed at RB2 right now, wearing number 33. I mean, obviously, they know more about – or they've forgotten more about football than I know, but that, that was a questionable move after watching Lynn Bowden for three years here at Lexington. Yeah, Drew, I actually made the same comment about Vegas 
uh, with a couple of our buddies, some of whom played at Kentucky with us. And I got made fun of because they were saying, what do you mean it's the wrong city? And, then, and wrong city is not the correct term. But I said, I just don't know if that's the right fit for him right now. And, again, I got made fun of. And I, they said, well, every city is a big city. Like, you don't think he'll – like, what do you mean? I'm just saying, Young Lynn and Vegas, I don't know. I just – I don't know. So I, I, I really that appreciate that you feel the same way. Yeah, I would say that about most people, not just Lynn Bowden. When Tyler Hero went to Miami last year, I was like, I'd, I'd rather see a young guy in Milwaukee where they can focus and make their money. But, you know, Lynn Bowden will be fine. I'm not worried about him. But I, I, I do wonder about that uh, running back move they're trying to make with him. But either way, I'm excited to see him in black and silver. Uh, I, you know why you all shouldn't be worried, though, about Lynn Bowden in Las Vegas? He's bringing some more dad strength with him. So – Dad strength times two happening. Really? Yes, that that's happening. So, you know, when you when you got a little one, you can't be out gallivanting. You know, you might. I mean, there's just not time to. You're stuck inside. Um, you know, burping the baby. I, maybe not up all hours of the night, but you know, still have plenty of hours. And as Vince said, he's basically just been an old man anyway. He doesn't have anything to do except just hang out in the house, play video games. So, uh, ho- hopefully, that's the case. Um, but I. What do we like? Do you like him with John Gruden? Yes and no. Like I, I like the thought of hearing him. Like I, I really wish this was Hard Knocks coming up, so we could hear John Gruden. That freaking Lynn Bowden, he's just a ball player, man. Like I just would love to hear that, like Gruden talk talking about Bowden because that's his kind of guy. What I worry about slightly is less about the running back position and like how how willing are they to, like, give him a little bit of rope to, like, be creative and stuff? And that's probably going to take Lynn some time to get used to. So I think really what it's going to come down to is not so much about what he does on the field this season, but how good of an offseason he has after his first year. Because I just kind of worry, Chuck, that, like, when you're picking up some new stuff, um, you know, there's going to be times where he's going to have to do pass pro. He's never pass protected before. But, like, hey, you're in there on third down. They're bringing the blitz. You can't go out for the route that you wanted to. You're going to have to stay in and pick it up. So, there's a lot of stuff he's going to have to learn and adjust to that first year. And I just hope that he can get some late momentum in the season because I, I think it could turn into a big year two for him. I agree. Um, but also, you got to think, Gruden knows that he's not going to be the back that's going to be picking up pass pro all of the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I bet he plays in the preseason some. All he needs is one of those Lynn Bowden plays, the Lynn Bowden effect where he shows yeah. that he did it at the SEC level, at one of the highest levels of football. He's going to do it in the NFL. So, you know, they're going to they're gonna let him do some of the, the pocket passes and maybe a trick play here and there. I don't think he'll play all preseason because I think he's going to do one of those plays and they're going to say, all right, keep this kid healthy. He can play. We know he can. Um, but, yeah, he'll be that back that he'll have to pick up a blitz here or there, but, you know, he's going to go for the cut. Oh, right, uh, right, right. And I don't know. I just think he's he's so dynamic that I do like the fit. Um, I thought the video of Gruden calling him was pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> like you said, I kind of wish they were on it again so we could see more of that and, right. and Gruden talking about Lynn. But we'll just have to wait for the preseason games when, you know, Lynn has two touchdowns and 150 all-purpose yards on – that's Ten true. carries. Well, and carries. the big the big thing too is, uh, 
beating out Edwards to be the return man. Because what was weird is they drafted two guys back to back that kind of do some of the same things. Uh, Edwards from uh, South Carolina is more of an outside receiver, but he did do the return duties at South Carolina. Kind of the same thing with Bowden. So if Bowden just gets those looks, though, I mean, Drew, you remember Randall Cobb's first game. He was picked lower than we thought. He was a versatile guy. And what does he do first play of his NFL Take career? Off, right? Yeah, house it. So yeah. as, as long as he's not fair catching back there and pulling a Charles Walker, I mean, we're going to see some big plays from Bowden. Lim was never one to pull the Charles Walker fair catch. <laughs> I think that was the reason why Charles Walker was in there. Well, just catch knows? the damn ball. Just catch the damn yeah. ball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, aside for – I'm just curious, Drew, did you just enjoy the draft in general? Like, it was the only sports thing we had for a while. I know now there is Korean baseball in the middle of the night that can be watched. But that was the first – sports in forever was it did it live up to the your expectations at first it didn't because i wanted more chaos i really went into the first night hoping there'd be you know technical difficulties and the Bengals wouldn't get their pick in i was i kind of wanted a little disaster from from my entertainment from that point i mean i was impressed with how smooth espn was able to pull it off there wasn't much of a technical difficulty whatsoever and then of course we ended up Personally, I enjoyed it more just getting to see the inside of people's houses. You know, the green room's fun. They hug their mom. They walk up there, shake their hand, and leave. But now we have Joe Burrow's mom's curtain to make fun of and uh, the receiver's girlfriend pulling the phone out of his hand. You don't get that kind of stuff at a regular draft. Yeah, and you also had, instead of, like, the guys sitting in the green room and, like, sliding down the draft board, instead we got, like, Jake Fromm's living room where it's, like, his sister and his mom just sitting there. And they're just talking about Jake Fromm. But – Jake's nowhere to be found. <laughs> like you, you get the highlight. Of, the highlight of the draft was ESPN told them no more than eight people on TV in every house. It looked had more than that, and they were clearly in the back. You see reflections in the window. And at one point, I don't remember the pick, but there are three people on camera. He gets drafted, and it sounds like five hundred people screaming at once. <laughs> I don't know where they were sitting, but all that stuff made it a lot more entertaining. I think it was Kenwa from South Carolina because his dad was the one who, like, rolled off the couch. Yep. Too. Uh, and then there was just like, oh, wait, there's two people back there. Oh, no, that's that's like ten people back there. <laughs> How about Chase Young's family just being the world's biggest family in the, in, in the universe? Looked like a couple of Thanoses out there. He was going, well, no wonder he's huge. Look at his dad or look at his brother. I mean, God, they're his, giant. I, his brother, I, I assume, was older. But his brother, like – Dude, get that guy in pads. That, he looked like he could yeah. play too. Package deal. Seriously. I, I don't know. We got to work that out, get him to Kentucky. See, uh, that's what they would have seen if, if uh, Charles Walker would have been drafted. Me and Lengthy, my brother William, he's about uh, 6'2", 190. That's, we would have been very similar to the Young family in that right. picture. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, which, by the way – wasn't the Lions – this is just coming to me. Wasn't the Lions the team that you worked out for? Yeah. So, do you do you still have your Lions swag? I do. Uh, granted, it's some of the swag I just would never wear out in public. Uh, you know, like there's the tight fit, dry cut – or uh, <laughs> dry fit, tight cut, no sleeves. Ooh, the nips Lion out. stuff. You, you think I'm going to wear that around Louisville? I got yeah. a nice jog. 
<laughs> no, you need to wear it to a game to go watch Stenberg play. Just like so do that. It, it's, even especially if it has the does it have a number on it too? I don't know if it does. Oh man, because that's when you know it's legit. You got like the number action on it. It's like, oh man, was that guy? He used to be on the team. You'd be like, yeah, you know, but it, it, just blame it on the injuries. Like, show him your shoulder, the little bump, well, and be my, like, <laughs> "That's my joke with all my buddies." Is that I say, I mean, I'm, I'm technically an NFL veteran. If you think about it, I had to retire due to injury. I was in the NFL for two and a half days, rookie <laughs> rookie mini camp. Um, but no, that's that's the ongoing joke with joke with us. You know, we'll be watching football, and they'll just say, "What do you think, NFL vet?" <laughs> <laughs> I would wear that out too. I would, I would absolutely wear that out. And like, see, here, here's the thing: when we do all this, there's like a certain amount of like, we all think we know what we're talking about, but we're kind of just shooting from the hip for the most part. But then once in a while, you get something right, and you're like, "Hey, I I, I kind of know what I'm talking about." Like this. And I had that experience today, folks. And I think by the time this is out, I'm hoping that the video will be out as well. But I essentially, I got led into a quarterback Zoom meeting today, for the lack of a better term. I was hanging out with Darren Henshaw and the GA, Cam Gardner, and they play a Jeopardy game to like, you know, just kind of lighten things up, make a nice little competition. And they quiz uh the quarterbacks and they have a competition so like terry wilson and sawyer smith are trying to sound in to uh, be the first one to to get all the questions right and i got a question right playing uk football jeopardy big day it was a very big day it's impressive enough that you got that's that's a good get for a, a young fall reporter sneaking into the quarterback room. Congrats on that first. And then to answer a question, I mean, are you gonna let you throw a pass next year? I, I think so. I, I really think so. And it was one of those things too where like it was a question I think a lot of people could have gotten, but Henshaw was very surprised. Like, this guy really? Like he knows he knows what's happening? Like that's bizarre. Um, but I will say it was one of those that immediately afterwards I asked for a harder question and the amount of like stuff that they know and do like it, it, it was mind blowing. Just like trying to think of all of the terminology and all that good stuff. Like I, I can't even begin to, you, you're just going to have to watch the video to see yourself, but Chuck, just the, the names of the routes and the like the concepts like yeah it's a dash follow corner like what wait dash like that's what you put on a piece of paper it really is it's crazy um you know when i was a freshman sophomore you you're in practice and you're watching the film as a receiver in the receivers room with all the receivers and you're going i'm wide open like why did he why didn't he throw me the ball or, man, he was wide open that play. Why didn't he throw in the ball? My junior year, we started to watch a little bit more film with the quarterbacks, and that was Henshaw's first year. And, you know, before the play, I remember it, because Henshaw would stop it every – before the very first sight of a play, he'd stop it. And he'd say, you know, like, what's the, what's the uh, coverage? And they'd have to say something. 
And then, as you all know, defenses try to disguise what they're doing. So, you know, a safety mm-hmm. would move or start to creep, and he'd stop, and with no hesitation, five of the quarterbacks in the room would go, cover one, and it was cover two. And then the play would go, and he's going, well, what are you thinking? What's your read? And they'd have to stay, you know, uh, Willie, poster, check down, blah, blah, blah. And then I finally realized, all right, so there's definitely more people than just the receivers. I understand how they missed me on that one play that one time. Um, but no, and that's why, crazy. And that's why receivers are divas because you're always open, but you're not necessarily the right guy to get to. Based yeah, on what and sometimes you're not open and you got to make the play. You know, Henshaw's favorite term is put it on his head. Put it on his head. You know, if you're double teamed, you're supposed to come down and catch it. Put it on his head. Oh, man, that's, um, a, great, that's a great football term. Oh, that's it. I mean, he loves that term. If you want brownie points with Henshaw, just say, God, he should have put it on his head. Um, <laughs> Darren will love you for that. Oh. Write that one down. Okay, put it put on, it his, on head. his head. He would gotcha. say that, I'm not kidding you, 30 times of practice. I also like that, like, blitzes can have such nasty names, like, oh, yeah. A scout blitz. Like, that's going to knock your ass out. I mean, <laughs> it really, it, the, preparing for a game, and you don't really start to respect it or appreciate what you're doing every week, week in and week out until, you know, you're mature enough to realize what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have, what, 12 games a year. All, pretty much all 12 defenses play a different scheme or they have a different freak athlete at a different position. And every day, you know, Tuesdays is uh, first and second down. Thursdays is third down. Looking back on it, it's so cool what the coaches really have to do every week and the amount of film that they watch. And they watch the practices before us and then they watch our practice with us tell us what we did wrong and then they go back and tell each other what they did wrong Uh, there's just so much that goes on in college football and god i hope we have it this year there's my rant i'm done there's my rant it was a a good rant but don't give the caveat i hope we have it this year we don't we don't need any bad vibes we need only good vibes football's have ooh more good vibes terry wilson's running He's like sprinting Ooh. without any help. So, man, college football world, you are just – you're in for a hurting. You're in for a hurting. It's the best pounds. sport. It's the best sport in the world. I think we can appreciate that. I know you you all don't have to say it, but, God, it's the best. Oh, <laughs> can't get enough of it. Oh, man. I just love how happy Chuck is right now, Drew. He's just, I can't help it. We, we I, just like let him. Breakdown. I like hearing the breakdown of how it all works. See, football, to me, I've always hit – a, B, X, Y, R1, L1, and I'm good to go. That's a touchdown, baby. I'm actually learning real plays here. Oh, speaking of, all right, Charles, what was your – when you knew this play was being called, you are like, okay, this is, this is the play. I'm getting the ball or I, I, can, I can do something big with this. What was your favorite play? So there's, it really kind of depended on – what defense was being played and what personnel was in, obviously. Uh, you know, Garrett Johnson Juice was at F most of the time. And really the F has the more fun plays, I'll say. The uh, the bigger yarders or bigger yardage plays. Right. Um, but I always loved F Willie was one. And it kind of – I loved it because it worked on almost every coverage aside from two man. When it was two man, you better just be running the ball. Yeah. Um, but pretty much on one side of F. Willie, there's a sale and a mandatory outside release to go with more. 
So on, we'll just say it was dice left, F Willie. You'd have a sail left side with a go. And the right side would be where the Willie was coming. And the Willie was pretty much, we call it a stair step. If it's man, you stair step it. So it's an over route, but how you want to run it is how you want to run it, depending on the coverage. And then the backside of that, of the Willie, same play, is the post. And when it came down to it, whoever that safety took, you'd go to the opposite. So the left side safety is going with the sail. Uh-huh. And you got to make the right side safety pick if he's going with the willy or the post. And granted, if it's one high, he usually takes the post so the willy's wide open. And you just – there's nothing like being in that open field and you catch the ball at 17 to 20 yards and there's just nothing but green grass and the sideline in front of you. So okay. F. Willie is my favorite play. First off, I just loved hearing all of that, Drew, because, like, there were a lot of words in there that were just like, oh, yeah, sure, that sounds good. Like, yeah, you – the the more. Yeah, more, of course. So it's more. Um, but like, Mandatory outside release, more. <laughs> I was smiling and nodding my head. He could have been saying anything, and it sounded good to me. I'm like, yeah, that sounds like a play. I don't know. He could have just been reading names out of the phone book or words out of the dictionary. Like, yeah, that sounds awesome. I think it worked. I think we scored there. But so you said the Willie is like a stair step route, Chuck. Like what we we you, there's no stairs on the football field. So stair step if it's man. So obviously if it's cover one or any type of man, right. you know, your guy is right on you, head up yes. with you, pretty much. Yes. So you go up like you're just running like a five yard over. He's obviously running with you. You stair step up about three to four yards. So now he's you know, kind of going backwards, and then you give him another stair step. And come back inside. And now you're uh, going back inside for the over at about 15 to 20 yards. Oh, man. Then he's behind you. No one to beat but the safety. Take it down the sideline. Touchdown, Kentucky! <laughs> Boom, baby. Garrett Johnson did that a lot. Oh, man. Can we get Carl Nathan here for the call? <laughs> Where's Leach? Let's get Leach in on this. He'll call it. Yeah. Uh, man, I love that. one of those things where everybody sees who the most famous person they can get to hop in. And we'll start with Carl Nathan to call a touchdown. <laughs> oh, that's great, though, because I'm, I'm visualizing it now, and I can imagine that where you, you give them just a little one-two here and then a one-two there, and then all of a sudden oh. they're on skates. I absolutely love it. And I, it's funny you mentioned that, uh, Chuck, just from uh, the different kind of mans that they can throw out there. Uh, Bill Connolly, who works for ESPN, did a big, long piece on the air raid because, you know, that's what LSU did this year, and they just curb-stomped college football with it. Like, absolutely rolled. And his point was like, hey, this was a gimmick from that Hal Mummy used 25 years ago at Kentucky, and now it's kind of the norm in college football to the point that LSU, the least offensive team ever, just had the best offensive season of all time and in one of the stories they were talking about just like how do you combat it so like an old option like how they would try to stop the option back in the day it's just like hey let's bring some outside linebackers and take away the pitch to where they just have to keep running dives into the box and what they're having to do with the rpos and the spread and all of the different uh options you have is just like say you know what we just got to get big corners and we've got to play man because if not, they're just going to pick you apart in zone. There's really just like nothing yeah. you can do about it. I think sadly we saw 
a lot of picking apart, at least in my career, when there'd be a two-minute offense against us either before halftime or when the game was on the line where, you know, we'd try to play that Tampa 2 and, God, it felt like just pass after pass would be 10 yards for oh, another yak of 15 or five yards. Okay, another 15 yards. Boom, they do it again. They do it again. And I think we saw a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. But the one thing that is nice is Kentucky in the secondary has more of the personnel that can play up, keep keep up with other guys, play man-to-man. And, uh, you know, we don't have to get too more into the weeds. It's been fun to get into the football weeds. And I'm just I'm just mad that uh, – I wish we could have had Freddie here, but he was unable to, to hop on with us today. Because I know that there's nothing that he enjoys more than getting into the weeds with this kind of football talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Freddie lives for this stuff, but he's busy uh, doing other KSR things right now. Yeah, he's basically keeping this this ship afloat right now. So we we appreciate what he does. Uh, but I I was curious for you, Drew. We don't have like cool play calls. Like I guess I liked when we called the waggle when I was in high school because it was just like, hey, run a drag route. Like you're going to be open and you're going to catch it at like 12 yards, and then the safety's going to tackle you right away. But you know what? That that was a cool play. Not as near as cool as the willy and stair-stepping and all that kind of stuff, but that was kind of cool. I, I would just say that my other favorite play is the strip sack. Strip sack is just – it's like the coolest thing you can see on the football field. Uh, my first play in fifth grade was a strip sack. It's the only thing I ever did on a football field. I thought I was going straight to the NFL after my first play and then never did anything else again. Oh, man. You know what? You probably should have just hung him up after that. Like, you know what? I peaked. Like, it's it's all downhill from here. <laughs> the old fifth grade strip sack. Yeah, what a career. Ooh, the the one fun play that uh, teams ran to in middle school was the tight end dump. That was like the one pass play that they were willing to try. But for the most part, especially if you were – I forget. Were you Holy Trinity, Chuck? Holy Spirit. Oh, man. So, it was just – uh, power right, 36 blast. Just oh, all, yeah. Just feeding that Charles Walker, the rock in the background. Did you know that Charles Walker was a running back, Drew? <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> Someone even reminded me on Twitter yesterday, just in case I didn't know. But like I told uh, the guy on Twitter, when you play all two, all 22 positions just as well, why would I label you one thing? You're just a football player. I'll put you anywhere. Play center, play safety, kick it. If we need three, it's whatever. <laughs> That was one the of the tag. one of the nicest compliments I've ever had. Do y'all remember Craig Niver? He was our special teams coach my sophomore year. He came Back from Houston. Yeah, or yeah, he went to Houston after <laughs> something like that. And I remember we did, you know, in the spring we had the off season challenge for special teams where. There was four captains that were chosen, and they drafted their team. And every day there'd be some sort of uh, or two special teams drills, and you'd go team versus team, versus team versus team, whoever had the most points won at the end of it. And, you know, my team won, of course, drafted like a maniac. It was wonderful. Um, but they asked – that was when Jared Leet was the holder. And we only had one holder. So maybe it was my freshman year. We only had one holder. And someone asked Craig Nyrie, he said, well, what are you going to do if Leet gets hurt? He said, I don't know. Just throw Walker back there. He can do everything. <laughs> and I still, I'll never forget it because it's the most compliment I've ever felt from a college football coach than that day right there. I've oh. never held a day in my life, and I'd probably freak out and have no idea what to do, but I just thought it was hysterical. Ooh, do we want to guess where Craig Nivar is coaching right now, Drew? 
Ooh. Uh, he didn't he go to LSU from no. here? I thought he no, did. that was Patowski. That was Patowski or Patowski. Yeah. No, I don't know. No clue. So Nivar, I'm going to say Temple. Yeah, I'm going to say answer. You're going to say Temple, Charles? Oh, man. Yeah. No respect. No respect. So he went to Houston first. He ended up last year, he was the co-defensive coordinator at Texas. So, like, wow. he up. And now he is the safeties coach at USC. Another story oh, on him. Yeah. Are you all ready for this? Oh, okay. I'm, I'm up for a Craig Nivar story. That was when we had every team, like punt team was named something, uh, maybe like sh- Sharks. Punt return was like Warhawks or something. He had a name for every um, special team coverage unit and or – I can't think of the terms. Um, special teams units. Right. And every day before our special teams meeting – we would have to stand up and say the special team Pledge of Allegiance. And it was oh, the Pledge of Allegiance on. that he come created. On. I swear to God. I swear to God. <laughs> and I don't remember any of it. But, I mean, by week three, everyone knew it. So, <laughs> we literally had to stand up. Uh, we run in the run zone. We strike in the strike zone. Uh, we make full speed decisions. It was literally probably – 15 lines of just things like that. Oh, oh. it was awesome. <laughs> uh, that's so like you can the most, imagine that's 6 a.m. Like, camp meetings, and you got to get up, and he's like, get up! And you got to get up and say this Pledge of Allegiance for special teams. Oh, man. That's why he got along with Tom Herman. Tom Herman's the same guy who's got the little the, the, the P monitor thing. He loves a, a good football guy with something as silly as a Pledge of Special Teams. We fly in the fly zone. We strike in the strike zone. We make full speed decisions. That's that's the only thing I remember from it. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> we hit the fly in forty full speed. Fly in the fly zone. Strike in the strike zone. Make full speed decisions. Oh man, <sighs> that's all I got. There's there's about so twelve happy. more lines though. Oh. oh yeah. I wish we would have known this at the time too, because Craig and Ivar he caught enough hell as it was. Um, yeah, he's the, was he the one that wore the wristbands too? Oh yeah, he was a bald guy. Yeah, probably about my probably about five ten, five nine. Having like it's one thing to have like have a thing. Like Eddie Grant's thing is like he'll keep the hood up. You know that's not a bad thing to have. You know it keeps you in the zone. You got tunnel it. The wristbands, ah. I, I even get like the coach who has cleats on the sideline. I don't even mess around with that. But the wristbands, it just – I don't know. seems a bit much. Yep. This should be a, a part of the show. Coaches who had a thing. Because Andy Boo's thing – remember Andy Boo? He went to Maryland. I think yeah. he's still at Maryland. He was our special teams coordinator for a little bit. Uh-huh. And his thing is, is he would just come in to the special teams meetings and just drink two monsters every day. And he two? would – he'd walk in. He'd walk in. And he'd be smiling like this. He'd be like – and everyone's going, oh, God, what's going to happen? You ready? You'd just yell it. And he'd have his, he'd have his uh, monsters, like Stoops would have Starbucks. And he'd just oh. be slugging them. I think he even did the cash and, like, chugged two of them and threw them on the ground before one meeting. It's crazy. <laughs> oh, man. I, uh, 
Is that like a prerequisite for being like a special teams coach? You got to be have all crazy in you or something. But I guess you just have to jack up the team to talk about special teams at all, really. Because like, but Dean Hood though, he didn't never struck me as like a kind of a loose cannon type. So, yeah, he wasn't. And honestly, I might be getting mixed up with Niver and Boo on who made us do the allegiance, but it was definitely a thing. It was a thing. (laughs) Oh man, but Kentucky—they're not going to have a special teams coach this year, Drew. Um, they're just like basically everybody, every assistant coach gets like one special teams. So do, like, do we, do we like that? I mean, I know they're trying something new, but I feel like it would have been done before if it works that, you know, this has probably been attempted in the past. I'd say teams have special teams coaches because you need special teams coaches. Now I don't know, but I, I can't imagine this is what we want to do long-term. Well, was was Louis Matt Sakis around when you were? Uh, oh yeah, Charles. Yeah. So yeah, we, we used to call his children the Matt Sakai. <laughs> <laughs> so I I think what the case is, Drew, is I think a special teams coordinator's primary job is like scouting for like the X's and O's of it is is scouting for a special teams coordinator. Well, Louis Matt Sakis, he can't coach on the field but he can come up with what you're supposed to be doing. So he can have the special teams game plan. And then Eddie Grand's in charge of making sure all of the kickoff return people are there where they're supposed to be. He's in charge of picking who's going to return. Uh, kind of the same with, I think, Clink and uh, uh, Buffano are doing punt return. So I think it can work because they have Matt Sakis doing quality control that that i mean if anything now we finally know what a quality control coach is doing because for the most part i just what are they doing uh, just making sure that the controlled is quality i don't know i guess yeah, so. matt, matt, matt sagas is really good so kind of what you were saying nick he is the analytical side of it so he would literally show us facts on studies of special teams and if you have you know, the most netted yards versus your opponent in special teams, there's a 80% chance you win the game. Or if you have a special teams touchdown in one game, there's a 95% chance you win that game. And it's based on years of analytical research. Um, so if he's behind, you know, behind the game plan and all that, I'm cool with it. I, uh, I like that they're, like, we've gotten the special teams analytics talk on a oh, yeah. May football podcast. Like that just it just shows that we're dedicated to our craft from when we're getting into special teams analytics. But I think we do need we would be remiss if we didn't touch on recruiting because it's open recruiting season and things are really picking up. In the last two weeks, Kentucky's gotten four commitments, uh along with some sprinkles in the transfer portal. So you know they're kind of canceling one another out. But the big one was yesterday uh, Lavelle Wright committed on KSR. Drew uh, announced that he is going to be a Kentucky Wildcat, and it's a good thing to start hitting on some in-state talent because there's some really good players from the Commonwealth in this uh, recruiting class. Yeah, and uh, I stole this stat from you, but it hadn't it been a long time since we've gotten a running back out of the Commonwealth. Yeah, and you can count. Like, I, I don't count Miles Simpson because he never played running back yeah, at UK. I don't count He's that. a linebacker. So, Alfonso Smith was the last scholarship running back. You know, we're not going to count some of our walk-ons that became scholarship players 
that were, you know, excellent wide receivers. But going back to Alfonso Smith, he was the last one where it's like, oh, he got carries as a scholarship running back in Kentucky. It's been a long time. And I would say that Wright is the antithesis of Alfonso Smith in that that dude was just fast as hell. You couldn't catch him. He was a one of those kind of guys. Lavelle Wright's a let me lower my shoulder and just blast three of you at one time. He don't well, I liked in our conversation with him yesterday, uh, Matt asked, you know, who he would compare himself to. And he gave the great answer about comparing myself to myself, which a lot of people do. But he also said I'm a mix between Benny Snell and A.J. Rose. I thought that was a pretty big comparison read, for a young man coming into the program. It's And I think some of it, though, like – so here's the thing. It's easy to compare the players that we have, like that Kentucky fans have seen. And I like that he used it, though, because the thing that he has in common with A.J. is A.J. is a tall guy. And it kind of hurts him in those short yardage situations, just getting those pads long enough. But Lavelle Wright is like six foot six one, but yet his the best part of his game is running dudes over and keeping his legs going and moving forward. So I, I like I I like it. I like that he's uh you know we got got a little swag about him too, and it also helps that he goes to North Harden where they got some dudes at North Harden. Which yeah, he mentioned um. Jordan uh, Lovett, uh, his teammate, he said he's going to get right on him right after committing. That's his next goal to get his teammate to, to UK. Now, I don't know much about him. I won't pretend that I've seen either of them play, but uh, I just like the UK's holding down the state. There are a couple of years they lost a little bit of control to Louisville. Other schools were coming in, saw guys leaving the state. I think the program lost its way a little bit, recruiting the in-state kids. But here in the last couple of years, there's been no problem with that. It's good to see it's not changing moving forward. And uh, so – to. It, the fun stat that I've shared every time I've mentioned Jordan Lovett is he led the state in interceptions last year with 15. 15 is a lot of interceptions. And yeah. I, don't, I don't care what level of football you're at. That's a lot of interceptions. And what I think is kind of sneaky in all of this, too, is that – so if you can, if you can get Jordan, uh, Jordan Lovett, Lavelle Wright, if you can get some of the – they've already got Kai Sharon in the fold of Somerset quarterback. You reel on those Frederick Douglass guys too. You know who's going to be just like up up a creek without a paddle and nobody to pick from? Louisville. Who are they going to recruit from Kentucky if they're all going to Kentucky? Suck Not worried about them. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, really, really. Kentucky's biggest competition in the state's Ohio State. Um, that's the case with Jagger Burton uh, and Dekel Crowdis, who's deciding this uh, Sunday. And so I got to ask you, Drew. We got we got any Frederick Douglass scoop? Like what? What's you're our Frederick Douglass correspondent now, right? Since Ryan Lemon's off oh, the no, beat. No, hold on. Watch, watch this. Okay, okay. I can literally see the goalpost. I'm looking at the goalpost right now. That's oh. all close I live to Frederick Douglass. So, so you I have, have all, all the scoop. scoop. Yeah. Yeah, it's right there. You, here, you want to see it? Yeah. No, uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. But the buzz around the neighborhood is is pro Kentucky. I don't. I don't know anymore. This isn't me revealing any scoop. I don't know okay. what he's gonna do. But I'm very excited about his uh, decision on Sunday. I do think it'll be good news. I think that a lot of that feel good is like uh, as soon as he came back to Kentucky, there was like, a, ooh, okay. So there's Kentucky's coaches are going to be able to say, hey, just you know, swing on by. We'll hang out for a little bit. And I think the uh, having everyone in Lexington wearing UK stuff, talking about UK, all the good things UK is doing, I think that's certainly going to help uh, the Cats case. 
And I think it also certainly helps that, like, it's kind of a two-horse race with Ohio State uh, in Kentucky for for his teammate Jagger right now. And Dekel, I know he's got a variety of options. Uh, I know, like, Oklahoma is in the mix. Um, there's a lot of schools that are in his top ten. He just kept it at ten. So I don't know what his three finalists in particular are going to be. But another fun recruiting fact, can we name uh, – this is going to be a fun exercise. Can we name the two – the only two consensus four-star receivers Stoops has signed. And this, this is taking out the athletes like Lynn Bowden and Michael Drennan. So four-star receivers that Stoops has signed. Crowdis would be the third if he commits to Kentucky. Thaddeus Snodgrass was one. Ah, oh, dang it. I had it. I had it. Dang it. <laughs> it's an all-timer. Um, TV was a three-star. Right. Um, what about Dorian? Dorian won the four star. Mm-hmm. Now, oh, did man. can you give us a hint? If, Blake Bone. No, this guy did not finish his career at Kentucky. He transferred. Oh, okay. Like that, he is Snodgrass. And this guy, Bedet. No, Bedet wasn't a consensus. He wasn't like rivals or something. This guy transferred because of grades. Went to JUCO. So oh, uh, Jay Richardson. Yeah, yeah, Javante Richardson. Javante. He was yep. like a top one hundred and fifty player overall. He goes to JUCO and then was going to come back, but I guess at JUCO he didn't even get his grades up then. Something that I will say, I, I was there when he was a freshman, and he was never very fast. He wasn't fast, straightforward. He wasn't even fast, quickness wise but he had really good feet and ran really good routes and caught the ball. I don't, I don't know though. I don't, I'm, and he, I hope he's successful now, but mm-hmm. I didn't see. Yeah. I don't trust these rating sites. All right. And I'm very partial to them because I was a zero star. And I went to one of those rival things and beat out everyone that they said was a four star, five star. Um, but before I go on a rant, I don't trust those sites. Thank you. I've enjoyed your rants today. Feel free. Rant I know. This, is, this has been a big, big Charles Walker podcast today. I, I'm, I just I'm think it's crazy it. you're going to rate kids off of camps where you don't wear helmets, you're not wearing pads, and it's just your – I just I don't get it. I don't understand it. I feel like I, that should take, take into account, yes, but it's like they don't take into account the opponents you're playing. Some of these kids are playing – you know, 1A schools from South Carolina or, or North Carolina where it looks like their biggest guy, their, their centers are the size of me. And, of course, they're dominating. Oh, my God, he's a five-star now. Look at that. I just don't. I'm, now, out. I'm out on that. I'm going to guess that the camp that you went to and beat everybody in, was it in Ohio? Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, you're it was the, actually you're... when Mikel Horton committed to Kentucky, and I'm going <laughs> – because everyone made a huge deal about him the whole camp, and I'm like, I don't see it. I mean, he was a big guy. He was. An, I remember thinking, like, dude, that's the biggest running back I've seen since Michael Bush. He was enormous. He but, was big. But here's the thing: the folks in Ohio, and we, you know, we love our Ohio guys that play for the University of Kentucky. But up until like the last like two or three years, they would just kind of laugh at Kentucky guys because like. I did the same kind of thing where I went to one of those combines and I was just fast. And, I, hell, I was bigger than a lot of them, but I wasn't an Ohio guy. And Ohio high school football is the best high school football in the world. 
So naturally, they think those guys are better. And you know what? Sometimes it might be fair. Sometimes it's not. But I, I knew right away when you said that, Chuck, that it was because you were up there with a bunch of Ohio guys, and all you know they were just drooling all over them. And I don't have the right answer to how you rate players. I mean, obviously, there's going to be misses everywhere in every program. Um, I think UK is finally to the point now where Stoops and his staff are missing extremely less than what happened when I was there, what we had 15 yeah. kids transfer in my class, you know, or right. whatever the amount is. <laughs> it, was, it was a lot. Um, so there is – there's no correct answer to how you recruit. Hell, maybe us three should put our brains together and come out with some sort of Ooh. algorithm and become millionaires from it and just only produce unbelievable prospects. How about that? There you go. Yeah, we'll call it unbelievable prospects. TM. Not a bad name. Wow. Inc. Incorporated. <laughs> um, speaking of some guys that might not have turned out, uh, we got some folks in the transfer portal. Are, are we worried at all, Drew Franklin, that uh, some of the SoFlo kids are going elsewhere? Kayvon Butler, uh, we've got uh, Drew Schlegel and his beautiful mullet uh, enter the portal. Uh, Day-Day Hawkins and B.J. Alexander. Are, are you worried about the, the people entering the portal? I'm not worried from a football standpoint. That's not going to change any wins or losses whatsoever. But I'm going to miss Slagle. I'm going to miss Day-Day Hawkins. I mean, he's dancing on the sideline on ESPN. Slagle's got a mullet. Uh, yeah. The other guys, I mean, I like them too. I think a lot of it was they just got recruited over, especially with Butler. He's behind Marquand Mall, Quentin. Marquand McCall and Quentin Bohanna. I mean, if you're a third-string nose guard, I completely understand why you want to look at other opportunities. The other guys, you know, situations vary. But I'll miss them just as they were fun guys to be around, but I don't think it's going to hurt the program whatsoever. And in Butler's case, too, I think yeah, there was a, a family situation that played part of a role in it. Um, but, oh, and as we're talking, Amani Gilmore is uh, leaving. So that, that's mm-hmm. – I don't think that was much of a surprise either. I think we can lump that into the uh, getting recruited over uh, kind of deal. Um, I'm actually surprised that one didn't happen a long time ago. I mean, that quarterback room has been so crowded. You knew somebody, probably another one's going to have to go. You can't have six quarterbacks going into a season. Yeah, you just can't. Like, there's there's just not enough room um, for it to go around. But, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with that um, because, like, Part of the one of the people that is recruited over Butler is the highest ranked recruit in the history of Kentucky football, Justin Rogers. Like, you know, or or if it's not him that plays that nose, it's Oxendine, who, oh, by the way, a four star in state guy. So it's yeah, like this it's is a good problem to have, is what it is. <laughs> it's yes. a good problem to have. You recruited guys you love, and then you end up getting guys you love even more that might be better, and then you know, the room gets crowded and guys want to go try it somewhere else. I will say, I, so there was one practice last year that I attended where you're like, okay, let's check out the new guys. They're not going to play for a year or two. One of them is going to end up transferring. I just don't know if it's going to be Scalzo or Gilmore. And Gilmore had one throw, though, where like he was like, eh, maybe he ends up sticking around. I don't know. But it was one of those where he just like just absolutely ripped it uh, down the middle of the field. and. Then, like, the other throws were just coming right there. But that was one hell of a throw, though. So, like, if nothing else, we have that memory. In the case of Gilmore, he was going to play a little baseball. I mean, he would have been a great second-string quarterback. He might have been the guy on down the road. But 
it's not a guy we're all excited about what he was going to do. He was kind of a prospect from the beginning, and then you end up with a Joey Gatewood in front of him. So good luck to him, but I think UK will be fun. Yeah, that Bo Allen guy's pretty good. Yeah, Joey Bo Allen also should, yeah. shouldn't have left him out. There's there's a lot of a lot of talented guys in there. So uh, I, you know, it happens. People transfer all the time. It's good though that Charles we're at a point where like when former so and so enters the transfer portal and it's not like, oh God, what's what's wrong? What's happening? Where because that happened a lot with guys in your class where it's like, hey, I thought he was supposed to be really good and turns out it's you know, something go- is something going on here? Is something wrong? I got to charge my phone. Oh, are you talking uh, – I, I was listening to you too. Yeah, I mean, I think you all hit it right on the – right on the nail, whatever this, the, the saying is. The nail. Yeah. The nail. We're, uh, you know, we're to that point where you recruit, and as Drew said, next year you recruit, and if there's better players coming in and they beat you out and you want to transfer – Totally understand. Some people do it for family reasons. Some people want to play more. Um, that's your choice, and respect all those guys for doing it. We'll definitely miss the Schlegler, the All-American Schlegel, um, you know, the Desert Eagle. He's the man. Uh, I do think that that the the meeting room will miss him too, but got to do what's best for you. You know, he's from all the way on Colorado, so I'm sure it's far, and yeah. when you're not playing that much and you're you know, what is it, a 15-hour drive, maybe more? I don't know what Colorado he's from, but it's a lot, so. Yeah. Well, and, like, How I think – How do you know him, Charles? How do I know him? How well? Oh, pretty well. So, I mean, like, next I, podcast, he can pop in? Yeah, next I think he'd pop on. Pop All right. He would, he would join us in a heartbeat. Oh, okay. And then well, he'd end up with this. That's – all right. We're, I think we're going to have to make that happen. Yeah, all write right. that one down, Nick. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have to make that happen. I, I did want to point out one other thing too. Um, so c- there's been two ch- quarterbacks that have transferred off this team. One of those guys went to high school with a top ten NFL draft pick, and one of those guys went to high school with a guy who's playing. Actually, I think he just switched positions. I think they did just switch him to defense. But the other guy, four star guy, that went to LSU. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think you can put two and two together as to how they got here. Just, you know, just saying. Just saying. Yeah. Um, Definitely in the equation. <laughs> um, there was – before we get out of here, I wanted to bring up one more thing. And this is a personal problem that I need you all to help me solve. Sunday's Mother's Day. And what I learned in having a child is that, like – why we only have one Mother's Day, it's stupid. Mothers are awesome. They need to have a Mother's Day seven days a week, 365. Like, they're the best, and we take them for granted. But I'm running into a problem here because I've, like, I, I figured out how to have Mother's Day with my mom. Like, it's, you know, you, you, you do the, the flowers, you, you make them a meal or something. You just, you know, it's kind of a treat yourself thing. But now I've got to deal with, first mother's day and like what do i what do i what do i do what do i get my because like baby's not helping me pick something out like and what where am i even picking anything out i can't go anywhere what i I don't i don't know what to do and i i really would like to not be in the doghouse 
on this first Mother's Day. So I need your all's help. Well, uh, I obviously yeah. haven't been in this situation. I clearly can't even take care of myself, as you all can see. But I would suggest, as best you can, given the world's closed, giving her a day of just her. Like, if she wants to binge watch a show, be like, I got the baby. Of course, you can see the baby. If you want to see the baby, I got all the chores. I got, yeah. I got all the food. If you want to nap all day, you do that. But just give her, as best you can, a free day to herself, even though there's no spas open or anything mm. to do. That's a – okay. All right. I like that suggestion. That's a good – because, like, I, I'm not going to lie. Just even talking about this, I can feel, like, the anxiety kind of bubbling up a little bit. Because, like, it'd be cool to have, like, a – oh, this was what you gave me first Mother's Day, this cute little arts and craft thing. But, like, she's the art teacher. I uh, – me, arts? No. Like that – so I, I like where your head's at, Drew. That's, that's a uh, – I would include a keepsake somehow. I know you've only got a couple days. You still need a gift, but I think she would really enjoy. I say this. I haven't. I don't know. I haven't been in your house. I don't know what it's been like. But I assume it's been very busy. You all haven't slept much, so that's what popped in my brain. That could be the completely wrong answer. I was just trying to help. Okay, that's good though. But that was a good you start. Ready? Okay, Charles, hit me. You ready for this? Yeah. And it might be hard because we're. Florida's opening up soon. They're going to open up before any other state, what it seems like. you got to get your parents to watch Duke for a little bit, and you surprise her with two plane tickets and a nice little baby moon for about three days. Boom. Okay. And then I'll... you go to Florida and bring that coronavirus back with you to your child from the beaches. No, there's no corona. You don't, well, you don't have to go to the beach. I, I was going to say what Drew said with the spa. The Indian, either a massage or a spa. When I don't know what to get my mom, I have an inside joke that I get her for every Mother's Day and every one of her birthdays is I buy her a phone charger because she claims that we take her phone charger all the time. So I've probably bought my mom I don't know, like six phone chargers in the past couple months. Um, <laughs> so I always do a gag gift and then we do as her children, we come together for one big glamour gift. Um, and then I do the – usually it's a massage of some sort. I don't know. Like yeah. Drew said, something to get them where they don't have to worry about anything. And I was going to say spa, and then Drew was like, well, they're not in bit. They're not running right now. And okay, yeah, that makes sense. It would be but nice if like – Go for the baby day. moon. I know. See, Charles, we, we can't be doing that. Y'all can't be doing that. All right? We got to stay safe. We got to keep the corona from spreading. But, like, it would be – it wouldn't be bad if it was like – Hey, well, down the road, baby. Yeah, room. yeah, like yeah. certificate for like. Yeah. Ooh, 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 I go buy a bag of sand from the hardware store and say, oh, "God, here, the beach. I'm bringing the beach to you." I have a triple header on Sunday. If you all want to help me, um, I have uh, Mother's Day, Abby's birthday, oh. and Abby graduates grad school all oh. on Sunday. And I'm not prepared for any of it. Oh, oh man. man. What have we gotten ourselves into? <laughs> Are you ready? I got a quadruple header. Oh, God. I have to wake up and go play golf. God. Oh, God. Yeah, that's, that's rough. How about giving her this nice taco putter I have? <laughs> oh, that is awesome. <laughs> is that a Scotty Cameron? Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty nice uh, club here. 
That is pretty Either awesome. The mother or the fiance would be getting that. Um, so you all both golf, and I don't Clearly. know. I know that Charles has been out during the quarantine. I don't know if you've been too busy moving, Drew, but uh, the cups are different now, where you don't have like an actual cup, so you aren't touching the stick. And there's kind of like a little raise. You know, each course is different, but they kind of have like this little raise action where you just kind of got to doink it uh, to count. So here's my question. I had a buddy call me and say he got a hole-in-one. Doesn't count. I already know where you're going with it. So, well, but the thi- so here's, here's part of the, the question, though, is that like earlier in the week, somebody, they thought it could have been a hole-in-one, but it hit so fast. It like the ball wasn't even on the green. In this case, the ball hit, rolled about seven or eight feet, hit the cup, and then only like it, he's. I was like, well, like was it going fast enough to fly off it? And he's like, listen, my father-in-law, he wouldn't be giving me credit for it if he didn't think it was going in. So like, do I? Can I give him a little bit of credit, or is it just like, can we even give him like an asterisk? Like home uh, one I, mean, I, I don't know why you'd even want to tell that story every time someone asks you have a home one. I just say no. I That's actually have take. to live with this. I have a half of a hole in one. I oh, did cool. it one time, and the people in front of me didn't put the pin in. So, you know, it's like folded and it's kind of propped up against the edge of the hole. And my yeah. ball was wedged between the pin and the hole, but it never actually dropped in. Oh. So I say it was a half. They even walked over from the other tee box because they saw it and apologized and said they'd count it. And I was like, well, technically it didn't go in. So I call it a half. So give your friend a half and together me okay. and him have one. I'm, I'm gonna, that, <laughs> I like that compromise because asterisk sounds weird and half a whole one at least sounds like you're conceding something, you know? Yeah. Now I can tell you about my other hole in one that did go in. I brag about that all day. Oh, you son uh, of my one. I have a one and a half. I don't oh. think you can count his, though. I didn't count mine. I could have easily counted it. I don't think he should count his. Yeah, yeah. Oh, bucket list item. No, dude, you – no, that doesn't count. And also, he's only been golfing for two years. Give me a no. freaking break. Yeah. yeah. Give me a freaking break. You got years before you can get a real one. Charles, do you – I don't – I'm – I've gotten close when I was a kid and my dad would let me hit, like, ten balls off the tee just because, you know, it was a par three course and nobody cares. Mm-hmm. Charles, that, that, that obviously never counted towards anything. Have you ever gotten a hole-in-one? I have not. Uh, the closest I've been was this summer, actually back-to-back par threes. Uh, one of them was, I don't know, but, you know, two, I'd say 15 inches, which is, you know, it's close, but it's not like, whoa. Then the very next hole, I was no lie, probably three inches back-to-back. That's the closest I've been. Um, and I don't, Drew's intake doesn't count because he already has one. So he can say it doesn't count. That's fine. But my intake with someone who does not have a hole in one is your friend does not have a hole in one either. So he can come play with me and we'll go for him together, but he's out. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad because I'm definitely texting him after this and saying, you can't, you got to stop telling people you got a hole in one. Like that, come on, get the hell out of here with that nonsense. Speaking of getting the hell out of here, I think it's about time we did. See what I did there? That was a nice segue right there. Yeah, and uh, you know we're you know we're gonna try to be on a much more regular schedule. There's still plenty of football to talk, plenty of nonsense as well. Um, you know, and we're figuring out how to do the Zoom stuff. Is you know, it's 
it looks easy, but it's not because we're the ones behind it trying to figure out how it works. But the football team, they're still hard at work. They're still working out. They're still Zooming and meeting. They've got it figured out much better than we do. Um, and, you know, more, more football news is going to be happening. It's going to be unfolding. So get excited, people. Y'all got Woo. anything else? Go cats, go virtual Krogering. Yeah. That was, Everyone grow your beards. Ooh, mustache is going to be back in like a week or two. So I had to shave it for pictures, but it's coming back better than ever before. I'm going to yeah. work on this thing. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and you're beautiful too, Big Blue Nation. Stay safe out there. Have a happy Mother's Day to all the moms. You all are the best. God bless you. Go Cats. Go Kroger. And peep the technique.